turn to the book of Revelation chapter 2. I hope you don't mind if I wipe my nose. Begin reading in verse 1 of Revelation 2. This letter to the church of Ephesus. One thing that helped me gain a... I guess maybe a little different perspective of the book of Revelation than what I had had prior to was when I realized that this entire book is a letter, not just the first three chapters. The entire book is a letter to the churches and not just to the churches in Asia Minor, but the Charity Baptist Church, every local church, it is a letter to us. It's relevant to all of us. Now, I'm not throwing off on anybody with what I'm about to say. I just want you to know where I'm coming from on this. I don't see it as representative of different ages in church history because in my mind that causes us to disconnect from what the Holy Spirit wants us to know and the message he wants us to receive from John through the pen of John. He is talking to you. Under the angel. I believe that to be the pastor. Under the angel of the church of Ephesus. Right. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Who walketh in the midst. Of the seven golden candlesticks. Here's the message. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars and you have borne and has patience and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, it's a big word. I mean, literally, there are probably, what, nine, ten letters in that thing. Nevertheless, it's also heavy in meaning. I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. And do the first works or else I will come against thee quickly. Those are big words. 
and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this hast thou, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We pray with me. Father, only you know what all is in the hearts and minds of your people and even myself tonight. Lord, we need your help. Will you speak to us? Will you give us ears to hear? What the Spirit says to the churches, and may we not be hearers only, but doers of the word. Do you remember when you got your first nice car? I'm not talking about your first car. If your first car was like my first car, you probably didn't take that good a care of it. I think I had a 65 or 66 maybe Volkswagen Beetle that had no, the reverse gear was out of it. You had to take a friend with you everywhere you went in case you had to back out of somewhere. (laughs) But your first nice car, you kept it clean, changed the oil every 3,000 miles, rotated the tires every 5,000 miles. You wouldn't let any of your friends eat or drink in your car. When you first got it. But given a little time. I can push that oil changed. About 5,000 miles. And tire rotation isn't that important. And go ahead and eat that Big Mac right here in my car. We used to have a commercial when I was a kid. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We had this commercial. Tennessee trash. Did any of y'all see that? An old dude in a convertible going down the road blowing trash out of his car. That's what your car that you formerly loved and took care of so much began to look like. What about your first good job? Came in 20 minutes early every day to relieve whoever was on duty before you, to check out all of your work area to make sure everything was as it should be and to have all of your stuff ready. Shoes shined. You were well kept. Six months later, you're rolling in hot at 8.02. Hair looking like you combed it with a firecracker. Shirt tail out, standing on six inches of your britches leg. What about when you first got married? (laughs) I've quit preaching and went to meddling early, have I? It was batting each other's eyes at you like Joel Osteen. (laughs) 
Dinner was on the table a night or two a week anyway. <laughs> Honey, sweetheart, darling, baby. You might have even held her purse at the mall a time or two. You might have. I didn't. (laughs) But a little time goes by, and it's a bowl of cereal for supper. (laughs) Bologna sandwich, maybe. No more purse holding at the mall. And what you call each other definitely ain't sweetheart, honey, and baby much anymore. Don't we have a tendency to let our love fade? It happens with the things that we have. Things that are precious to us. It happens in our relationships. It happens spiritually. Our love for our church grows cold. Our love for Christ grows cold. That's what had happened to the church at Ephesus. When we left the church of Ephesus in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul is warning them about wolves rising up, not from outside, but from within. Paul wept with the elders. He wept because of the wolves. They wept because he said, I'm probably not going to see you. I'm not going to see you anymore. Vance Havner said that when Paul left Ephesus, there was a growing missionary church there. But a few years later, God is calling it to repentance. It was still a remarkable church, but it needed revival. There were some things right, and there were some things wrong. It was a good church. And so Jesus in this letter through the pen of John, he really celebrates some things about it. I've got a lot of things I want to say here, and I'm moving slower than than usual, but, but I want to pause here for just a second and say this. I like what Jesus does here. There are problems with this church that he is going to deal with. But he hasn't forgotten about the good. (laughs) I've observed some extremes. There are people who focus on the good that they do. And they forget about the bad. Aren't they pleasant? But there are a lot of us. Who it doesn't seem to. For whom it doesn't seem to matter. What kind of good we do, we forget about that. And the bad 
It blocks our vision. But I want to remind you, I got some help right here. Yeah, Jesus knows about the bad. But he's not forgotten what you've got right. And he doesn't discard what you've got right because of what you've got wrong. Praise his name. And he celebrates their purity. He said, you won't abide those that are evil. You test the spirit. (laughs) You've tested those who have said they are apostles. And you have found them to be liars. And these Nicolaitans, whoever they may have been. You won't put up with them either. That's Ellison translation. Not always reliable. But they had fought for and kept their purity. And Jesus celebrated that. He commended them for it. They did good works. He said, I know your works. I know your labor. I know what you're doing. They held on to what was good and they rejected what was evil. And I believe it was Vance Havner said they screened out the bugs while letting in the light. (laughs) He celebrates their purity and their patience. He said, I know your patience. They, They stood fast in persecution. The government and the devil had been waging war. Their patience wasn't limited to their staying power under persecution. They were patient in their purity. They just kept on doing the right things and they kept on rejecting evil. They continued to persevere and for the name of Jesus, they had labored. They had worn themselves out, but they had never quit. They just kept plodding along, moving forward. They reached out. They reached in. They loved on each other. I believe they reached outside the walls of their church. I I, I can't help but think that if Ephesus was set in the modern day, their men's ministry would be doing yard work for the widows, help them keep their houses maintained. They would... Build wheelchairs for wheelchair ramps for disabled members of the community. Their ladies' group would take food to the families of those who were sick and make blankets and scars for the homeless and take clothes to the homeless shelter. If they had a benevolence fund, it never would have had a balance. At first glance, it looks like they were everything that a New Testament church is supposed to be. We find them heeding Paul's instructions from Acts 20. They looked like the perfect church. But the one who John describes in chapter 1 as walking among the candlesticks with eyes that were as a flame of fire can see behind the light and illuminate what is in the shadows. And while there were some things to celebrate, there were some things that he criticized. 
I have somewhat against thee because thou hast. It's like a sword goading my conscience. Thou hast left thy first love. I know there's debate on what that first love might have been, but considering what Jesus had said about love before, when asked about the greatest commandment, and he said the first is this, to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe that the loss of their first love was a coldness in their love for Jesus. They had fallen from serving Christ and serving each other out of love for Him to just doing it because it was what they did. All of the conflict... All of the fighting false doctrine and false teachers, all of the persecution, I believe, while they had not quit doing what they were supposed to be doing, it had worn them to the point that what used to be a church on fire had become a church gone flat and fatigued. Let's be honest, it is easy to commit the Ephesian error. It is easy to work in the church, to serve the church, but just be going through the motions. I get it. We get weary. We get complacent. Sometimes, let's face it, trying to do right Goes completely wrong. I can remember asking my daddy when I was probably mid-twenties, late-twenties maybe. I said, Dad, you ever had something that you really, your heart was in the right place? (laughs) And you wanted to do the right thing and you were just trying to help only to have it go haywire. And I knew I was on to something and I had made a proper observation when my daddy said, Oh, son. (laughs) Welcome to my life, he said. Sometimes doing right just goes completely wrong. And sometimes doing good grinds us down to the point that we lose our love for Jesus. God help us. We haven't quit. But we've quit loving him like we ought to. Wearsby said the Ephesian believers were so busy maintaining their separation that they were neglecting adoration. Labor is no substitute for love, he continued. Neither is purity a substitute for passion. The church must have both. If it is to please Him. So what do we do? 
if you have discovered, maybe you've been feeling it for some time, and, and I'm talking to pastors here for just a minute. That's who this is written to. This pastor, the pastors of each one of these churches would have stood and read this letter in each one of their churches. Now, the next time you think a preacher goes a little longer than he ought to, just remember that 2,000 years ago, he might would have stood and read an entire 20-something chapter book and thank the Lord <laughs> that he's done in 40 minutes. Because I can't read this book in 40 minutes. That You can pay me for that one later, brother. I'm trying to help you. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? When you realize that I'm just doing this instead of doing this for Jesus. Jesus gives counsel. Remember. <laughs> First word of verse 5, remember. Remember from whence thou art fallen. They needed to remember back to when they were still amazed by the grace of God. They needed to remember what Christ had done for them and what motivated them to serve him in the first place. If you found yourself just going through the motions, remember what it was like when you first started out. Remember what it was like in those first few days and months when you first really started serving Jesus and rehearse that in your mind until it is fresh. Thomas Goodwin was a Puritan preacher and he wrote this to his son. When I was threatening to become cold in my ministry and when I felt Sabbath morning coming and my heart not filled with amazement at the grace of God or when I was making ready to dispense the Lord's Supper, do you know what I used to do? I used to take a turn up and down among the sins of my past life and I always came down with a broken and contrite heart ready to preach as it was preached in the beginning. <laughs> The forgiveness of sins. Listen, the past is no place to live. But it can be a wonderful place to visit. When Jesus has shown up. When you know that he's forgiven you. When you know the sweetness of close communion with Him. When you know what it's like to be amazed by His grace. When you know what it's like to be in touch with heaven. And heaven in touch with you. It's a pretty good place to visit. Jesus said, remember. Can you remember? A time when your fellowship with Jesus was sweeter than it is right now? Can you remember a time when your love for Him was warmer than it is right now? He says, remember. He says, I use this word here, repent. Listen. We will fall in the wagon track of going through the motions. Well, you know, brother, just kind of in a season of coolness, and we don't think anything about it. It appears that Jesus is pretty serious about it. Repent, or else I will come against thee. 
Wow. When you find yourself just going through the motions, repent. Turn. Turn from what you have let steal your love. Whether it be hardship, conflict, whether it had just whether it's just been the weight of serving him, preacher, I know, I know that the burden gets heavy. I know that sometimes the responsibilities and the weight and the work and the heartache and the not knowing what to do and the stress and the anxiety and the deadlines. Sunday and Wednesday come around once a week whether you're ready for them or not. Every week. I know. That sometimes bearing the burden will cool your love for him. And you'll go on and do the work. With no passion for Jesus. Jesus is saying to you this evening. Turn around. You've been plowing this long row. Turn around. Repent. You know what you find? You know what you will find? James said it this way. (laughs) Draw nigh unto God. He will draw nigh unto you. Whether it is a sin, whether it's problems, whether it's conflict, whether it's just burdens piled up, busyness of the work, Jesus says, leave it alone. Turn to me. And what you will find is he is standing right there. Draw near unto him and he will draw near unto you. And I wouldn't add to the scripture for anything, but I believe his closing speed is a whole lot faster than yours. Remember, repent, repeat, do the first works. What does he mean? I believe he's carrying us back to when we were first saved, when we first started serving him. I can remember, I answered the call to preach in 1991. I don't know how many years ago that is from right now, but it's been a long time. I'm no mathlete. I can remember when I actually, and I just want you to hear me out. I can remember when I actually wanted To tell people about Jesus. You understand what I'm saying when I say that. There was no inner struggle. (laughs) There wasn't that apprehension. I knew I had found a treasure or a treasure had found me. 
<laughs> and I wanted other people to know him. I can remember when it was a joy. But I also know what it's like to fall from that height and find myself serving. Can I be real honest? Just to get it over with for another week. The good news is That the one for whom my love grows cold, his love for me never changes. And because he first loved me, even though cold, knowing that he loves me, remembering his love for me, remembering that he saved me, and that when I was Without strength. And when I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Remembering that might help me walk another mile. And it may lead to revival. Repentance. Remembrance. Instead of removal. Removal.